Welcome to the Six Figure Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Allie Reeves, and my purpose is to help women grow their online businesses, influence, and income with ease. If you're ready to drop the excuses and start showing up as the boss you know you're meant to be, then you've come to the right place. Let's get started. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Six Figure Influencer Podcast. I'm so happy you're here and I'm so excited for you to hear another episode from who I call my resident brain guru, Dr. Cynthia Kempinski. This is now the third time that Dr. C has made an appearance on the Six Figure Influencer Podcast And I keep having her come back because not only is she a genius and drops all the knowledge and is so incredibly helpful in helping me and you understand like what's happening in our brain when we do certain actions and more importantly, how to stop it. But I could talk about this stuff all day long and there's just so much information to cover. So one episode, two episodes just simply didn't cut it. And we had to bring her back because one thing that I know I really wanted to talk about for my own personal reasons. And I also know a lot of you need help in as well is the area of self-sabotage, right? Like it's totally, I don't care what level you're at. I don't care how much of an expert you are or how beginner you are. It doesn't matter. On some level, you deal with some form of self-sabotage, whether you realize it or not. And the idea is if you can catch it or first understand what it is and, and why it's happening, then you can catch it. And then you can kind of get back on the right track into becoming the type of business owner or spouse or friend or human that you truly want to be in this journey called life. So in this episode, you are going to learn what self-sabotage actually is, how it happens, like what actually happens on a brain science level We'll go into different types of self-sabotage like imposter syndrome, procrastination, perfectionism, like all of those are types of self-sabotage. And then more importantly, you are going to learn alongside me how we break this cycle, how we can identify self-sabotage before it fully takes hold of whatever we're doing and we can stop it in its tracks. And again, continue on the path toward whatever goal or, you know, whatever the thing is that we are wanting to do to improve whatever part of life we're talking about. All right. So this, this episode, it's so good. There were multiple times that my jaw dropped just because Cynthia has this way of explaining things so succinctly and powerfully, but also in such a way that's easy for people that aren't doctors, like like most of you listening and, and myself, 
helping us understand what she's talking about so we can get the benefit of these lessons as well. So a little bit about Cynthia before we dive in. Dr. Cynthia Kempinski built a fully virtual functional medicine practice alongside her husband, Thomas, AKA Tom, Dr. T. That's guided thousands of patients from all over the world to overcome chronic symptoms like brain fog and fatigue. It was through her own personal struggles with her health that Dr. Cynthia went on to create the Kempinski Protocol, which is a unique one-on-one -on -one experience that thoroughly investigates the reason for your symptoms and then creates a custom plan specific to you. It is this level of knowledge and guidance that sets Dr. C apart. Although her specialty is in functional medicine, it is her strong focus in clinical neuroscience and positive psychology that she attributes to her patients' high success rates. Her ability to zoom out and gain a comprehensive overview of both brain and body is a skill that she has become known for. And while everyone else is jumping on the newest fad, Dr. Cynthia's patients know the real value is specifically addressing your unique biology, chemistry, neurology, etc., to transform you into your vision of success. All right, and before we started recording, Dr. C hinted at some really cool things that she's working on specifically for female entrepreneurs that I know I for sure will more than likely be taking part in. So if you would like to hear more about that here soon and you know, just more again about you know, what she and Dr. T both offer at their clinic, and again, all virtually as well, they have an actual brick and mortar in Connecticut, but they do everything else virtually. So it doesn't matter where you are, you can work with them. Go check them out at the Kempinski Clinic. That's spelled V-K-E-M-P-K-I-N-S-K-I -K clinic. And I'm gonna tag them in the show notes as well. And if you would like to book a discovery call with Dr. Cynthia, we will link that in the show notes or you can go to the link in her bio. And even more than that, just the content she puts out there, she's one of those who gives it all the way I feel like everything she puts out is super interesting and empowering and backed by science, which is always nice. So whether you want to book a discovery call with her right now or not, at least give her a follow so that you don't miss what's to come in the future and you can learn more about your brain and all the things that we're going to talk about today and so, so much more. All right. So enjoy this chat all about self-sabotage with the Dr. Cynthia Kempinski. Hello, Dr. Kempinski. You are back. Yes. This is like probably the most comfortable return. It just yes. feels like this yes. is like, you know, returning home for me, coming back on the podcast. Come back home, baby. You're, you are back. <laughs> I call you my resident brain guru, because that's just what you are. All, all things, how the brain works and rewiring and making more efficient and effective. So yeah, anytime 
I see your stories or you and I get to chatting about something in the DMs. It usually always leads to, hey, when are you coming back on the podcast? <laughs> Please. Yes. I just need to have you on retainer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? When it comes to the brain, there's so much that we can always talk about. So it's like every time we kind of master discussion, it's like a springboard to then dive into the next thing. I mean, there's so many different places we can go with this. And I feel like our first two conversations, which by the way, anybody listening, if you have not heard Cynthia and in our first, in my first conversation, um, the first two episodes, they're episode 22 and 58. Um, episode 22 was how to rewire your brain for success. Episode 58 was advanced action steps to rewiring your brain. So please go listen to those because they were game changing. But yeah, like every conversation that we get into, it's just like, oh my gosh, so many different tangents and um, just like valleys and places that we can take the conversation. We'd be on here for four hours if, if we went through them all. So today specifically, I was excited to get you back because something that we've talked about before, having you come back and discuss Talk about self-sabotage. Yes, self-sabotage. It is huge right now. And I think that I know with my patients, that term comes up all the time. How about with you, with your clients? Are they bringing that up a lot? All the time. Yes, yes. Uh, perfect. So kind of the goal for today's episode then would be for people to walk away understanding exactly why you're self-sabotaging yourself and learning some tools to stop doing it. Because ultimately, you know, one thing we can all agree on is that we want to achieve our goals. We want to live that vision. We want to see the success. And so we need to really kind of explore all the ways that we can optimize that happening for us. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, for, for my clients, oftentimes like they don't even realize that they're self-sabotaging. And then I have to be like, okay, by the way, what you're doing right now is totally self-sabotage and I do it. I catch myself. And yeah, there's so many questions I have around that. So I I'm really, really pumped to go into it because this is, it's so needed. And, you know, to understand one, what is self-sabotage what are ways that we can tap into and notice that we're doing it before we fully sabotage ourselves? And then how do we go backwards and, and get back to the good place where we're back on track? So cool. Well, let's, let's go ahead and get started. So um, how would you even define self-sabotage? Yeah, I think it's important that we put a definition on it because as we just mentioned, there are so many kind of perceptions of what self-sabotage is and it's floating around kind of in uh, the personal development world and the health world so much. What I have found is that a lot of people think that self-sabotage is this like obvious destructive or violent behavior. Mm -hmm. And really majority of the time, that is not what self-sabotage looks like. Mm -hmm. So self-sabotage could be, 
you know, the person who says that they want to have this deep, meaningful relationship with their spouse or partner, but then at night they get home from work and their face is in their phone all night. You know, they're disconnected. Uh, it could be the person who says that they're ready for growth and change and they invest in a course and then they never open it or do anything with it. They could Wait, be the- can you repeat that one more time? <laughs> the person <laughs> wants the change, but then doesn't actually open it or do it or act yeah. upon it, right? Interesting. No, I, I've never experienced that before. Okay, go on. Yeah, me with my inbox. There's probably five in there now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, or, you know, I see this a lot. Somebody who says, you know, they really value financial security. You know, that's really important mm-hmm. for them to feel safe. And yet they're, you know, they're not choosing to invest in life insurance or things like that. They're, you know, blowing money at Target without even thinking about it, Mm -hmm. right? So really what self-sabotage is, is any time that we have a value, a goal, a vision that we are marking as a priority to us, Mm -hmm. but then our actions and behaviors aren't aligning with that goal. That is self-sabotage. Wow. Yeah. The way you just described that, all those examples were so good. And I don't know what this is about me, but like every single one of those, I was like, Oh crap. (laughs) Wait a second. Because yeah, I know. I mean, truly like I need this conversation as much as, as so many others need this, because I, I think of more big grand examples, more obvious examples um, like, like you're, you're wanting to lose weight or you're doing, you know, something like that. And then you eat half a cake or whatever. Like I think of examples like that, but like the thing that you said about the relationship that yeah. hit me. Cause of course, like I value, I, I want my relationship to thrive with Chris, but I, it's hard for me to shut it down after work. And, you know, there's so many, and then the course thing and so many different things. So, wow, it it really, it's sneaky. It is. It's, you know, we can be really clear on the things that are important to us or that we value. And that's why it's such a mystery to people why sometimes they, you know, don't achieve them or those things fail or they start to crumble around them because they know consciously that they want that so badly. Right. Right. So are all levels of self-sabotage created equally? Are there different types of self-sabotage or are they all just the same? A lot of people discuss self-sabotage. You know, they break it up into different reasons, right? They'll say it's a lack of self-love or self-respect. It might be a lack of confidence or it could be, um, even arrogance, right? Of I know it all. So I don't want to even learn anything new or expose myself to being vulnerable. And then they'll talk about the different ways that it presents, you know, might be avoidance, like we talked about, you know, face in the phone or not opening the course or not, you know, taking time to learn about life insurance. It could be procrastination. Mm -hmm. Um, It basically, it can appear in so many different ways. And I think that really the more helpful discussion, instead of just telling everyone, you know, 
well, you need to love yourself more or you need to, uh, you know, value your worth more is to kind of understand at the root of all of that, what is the common denominator? Mm-hmm. And so for kind of all of the reasons Fear is generally at the base of why we self-sabotage. What? Okay. That I've heard other people kind of say the same thing, right? Like you're just, you fear being successful at the root of it. And and maybe this isn't true for everybody, but I've heard other people describe it in, in this very similar way. Like deep down you fear making an impact or, or really succeeding. And I'm like, why would I fear that? I don't understand how, so how does that work? Cause I truly cannot wrap my, it, I get what you're saying fully. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that is it on some level, but can you explain how that actually works? Because like face value, most people in myself include, I'm like, why would I fear being more fit or whatever. Um, and is this kind of like, I don't, have you read the book, the, the big leap by Gay Hendricks? I haven't gotten to that one. No. <sighs> okay. So, and, and I'm curious if this is a situation he says, like we get used to this baseline of how we are. And then every time we get a little bit more successful or get a little bit more fit or, or get more in a more healthy relationship, we're like turning up the heat on in our lives and we get hot, we get uncomfortable and we want to get back to baseline. So we self-sabotage to get back to what we're used to. Is that kind of the same thing? I know I just asked you a lot of different questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I think I like the way that that's described because that it kind of touches on, um, what people now are calling imposter syndrome. Yeah. Where, you know, people are thinking, I've heard this described as, you know, as you achieve a goal or you're getting close to achieving a goal, you start questioning, you know, why was that so easy or it should not have been easy. And so you start like actually going backwards or you feel like, you know, you're not used to that level of success. And so I am going to tell you something that if you've, ever anyone listening to this has thought, you know, I might have imposter syndrome or I struggle with imposter syndrome. This is going to completely like turn it upside down for you. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Imposter syndrome is really just an addiction to being mediocre, right? It's a habit that we've learned to be average and that has become our safe space. And the second we start acting as, you know, more than average or great or even remarkable, you're going to ask, who am I? Because that's not the same person that you've now built the habits around. And so you start questioning, who am I? And that is then what people call imposter syndrome. (sighs) Wow. That was so good. Wow. I've never heard it put like that. Yeah. And when you view it like that, it's so easy now to recognize it, you know, and almost now it's not threatening anymore, right? To have that question of who am I to be doing this? It's no longer scary or threatening because you recognize what it is. It's just building, you know, new habits and new connections in your brain. And you're kind of breaking that old addiction that you've grown comfortable in. My God. 
The way you describe that, I cannot tell you, and I'm not just saying this because we're recording right now. You just made imposter syndrome into something that I thought was one, a normal thing that we get on all levels. But now anytime that I'm going to be experiencing that, I'm going to be like low key offended. <laughs> like, oh, Allie, you're, you want to be mediocre? That's cute. Right. Like, like, I don't want, I don't want to be mediocre. I don't think anybody, at least listening to this podcast wants to be mediocre. So the way, I mean, thank you so much. I mean, I'm like mind blown right now. So we're just getting past this where imposter syndrome is you wanting to be or arguing to be mediocre or growing out of mediocrity. Yeah. So it's just like your addiction to being mediocre. mediocre. And so the second you start doing something against that addiction, against that habit that your brain has now formed, you're gonna start questioning, who am I? Because it's not going to be the same person. And so you're going to feel like an imposter, but it's a positive thing, right? It's something that we work through rather than sabotaging to start feeling average again and mediocre again. We want to feel great. We want to feel remarkable. And so you get past that when you start to feel, who am I? And you start to feel the imposter syndrome. You then know like, okay, I'm onto something. This is good. This is growth. This is change. Because the goal for all of us should be to grow and evolve. That is the goal. Like you are alive on earth. You shouldn't stay the same. When people say, oh, you've changed. And you know, that little meme that says, oh, well, thank you. Yeah. That is how you should feel. Like that, that is the goal. So yeah, imposter syndrome is just you're, you're growing and you truly are changing as a human. And you're like, you have to like reintroduce yourself to yourself. Like, hey, this is, this is who we are. Yeah. Welcome. Hi. Nice to meet you. (laughs) Welcome. Hi. Nice to meet you. So, okay. So let's stay there then. So let's say somebody is experiencing that they're growing, they're uncomfortable because they're, they're getting out of this mediocre phase, this addiction. How do they stay there and keep growing instead of like, how, how long does that feeling of being uncomfortable last where, where you're not really comfortable in your new shoes, so to speak? I think that it's really dependent on the person, the amount of experience that you've had in certain things. So I know personally, I've worked really hard on, you know, pushing past a lot of these boundaries, but Mm -hmm. still sometimes things will come up for me that I don't even recognize that I've been sabotaging. And so it's just having then that awareness to go back. And now, because I've worked through it so many other times with other instances, I can do it much faster because I'm aware of kind of of what's going on. If you're initially just starting this work, you know, it it takes a little bit longer, but it always happens because the brain is just basically a record of the information you're teaching it. So you can teach it to be in this new environment, these new feelings, these new, you know, habits. It just takes time. Okay. Got it. So just stay with it. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. If you're feeling uncomfortable, instead of freaking out and reaching for something 
comforting or mediocre, what you used to do that might pull you back down, sit with that and take it as a sign of something positive. Like, Hey, you are, you're feeling uncomfortable because you're changing. You are evolving. This is good. This also makes me think too of, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this because what you have created with your husband is incredible. And, you know, you guys have this amazing practice and you two are these amazing humans with this beautiful family. And sometimes you grow out of relationships and people and, and that's super uncomfortable too. And I know I've experienced in my life with some friends and some people who used to be in my close circle and, and colleagues where we just don't, we don't connect as much. And I almost feel guilty for that. Like, am I getting like too big for my britches or am I, um, I don't know. I I've caught myself before, like kind of going back down to somebody else's level to make them feel comfortable. And I would almost feel bad. Like I don't want them to feel bad about themselves. So I would catch myself and I'm, I can't think of it, of an example. Do you, do you see what I'm saying though? Yeah, definitely. So you've like grown to know a certain norm in that relationship. And when you grow and change the relationship changes. And so you almost sabotage to make it normal again, because, yeah. you know, they're not going to, we can't expect somebody else to sure. change. Yeah. And maybe we want that relationship to still be the same that it was. And so we kind of revert back to old behaviors or thinking yes. when we are with that person. Exactly. So what do you suggest for somebody who's going through that? Um, you know, whether it be friends, I mean, I'm sure this happens with spouses too, which is, you know, that's scary. Um, what do you suggest in that situation for people to do? I think that recognizing that you are sabotaging, you know, just to kind of stay in that norm or, you know, avoid something difficult, like maybe, no longer being in that relationship or no longer having that friendship because it's no longer really who you are. Um, so we tend to avoid that and we don't draw awareness to it because it feels threatening to us. Mm-hmm. So I think that always, you know, evaluating what is going on in your life, you know, taking inventory, really you know, seeing in different areas, are you sabotaging just to, you know, keep things status quo with certain people? Okay. Yeah. And just to catch that and, and evaluate as you go. It just yeah. sounds like you always need to kind of keep track of your thinking and, and your behavior. So how, how does, so I know there's a science behind this yes. and that that's where you thrive. So explain to us, mediocres, <laughs> how, how this works on a brain level, what's happening here? The brain's primary focus is always going to be survival. Mm-hmm. It is the way that we have been wired since the beginning of time mm-hmm. is to survive. And the brain will prioritize that over anything else. The primary emotion for survival is fear or feeling threatened, right? That's going to 
instantly turn on that survival response. So if we said, you know, that self-sabotage is really just a sense of feeling uncomfortable in change, that uncomfortable feeling is enough to kind of turn on that survival response because we're doing something different and it produces a completely different physiological response. And the brain wants comfortable. It wants consistent and wants predictable. It wants to be in that comfortable zone. So the second that you introduce different behaviors or different actions or different routines, habits, and they create a different chemical response in the body, the body is going to say, you know, hold on, this is not what we normally do and kind of heighten that survival mode. Mm -hmm. So when I say survival, you know, there's a part of the brain called the amygdala that is really kind of our fear-based part of the brain that it just kind of turns on, it turns our nervous system on. We're going to then all of a sudden have, you know, that racing heart rate or, uh, we're going to feel like uh, a little bit of uh, indigestion or nervousness in our stomach, right? Because we're in that survival mode. And that's great when there's a true threat, but these are perceived threats. They're learned threats. We have grown comfortable in a certain area. And now the second we try and change it, our brain thinks that there's, you know, a problem that we have to kind of revert back as fast as possible, you know, abort, abort. And when that part of the brain is activated, the amygdala, we are actually kind of dampening or turning off uh, the areas of the brain that are responsible for reasoning or logic or our judgment. And so that's why consciously we might want a certain thing, right? Like we talked about the relationship or finances or growth, but the second that we feel that uncomfortable response, we are going to make any decision possible to avoid feeling uncomfortable on a subconscious level. Even though we want those things, the body is going to say, nope, we are prioritizing survival here. One thing that is really important, and you kind of touched on this a little bit when you're talking about the relationships is that what is comfortable to us is really just things that our brain has learned over time. So the experiences we've been through, the information that it has kind of gathered to build our normalcy. This comfort sometimes is a bad zone. So this is like when we're talking about you know, people who are in unhealthy relationships and they know that it's not a good relationship and they want to leave and want to be better. But the second they even start thinking about that or taking action on that, it doesn't feel good to them mm-hmm. because it's uncomfortable. It's not what they know. And so they revert back to the toxicity, right? This happens with, um, I don't know, another example of this. I mean, in business. business business all the time, right? Where we really want uh, to progress or succeed. I mean, I see it in health too, where people want to be healthy, right? They'll invest thousands of dollars to get the best advice and the best testing. Mm -hmm. And I could solve every problem for you, but if your comfort, your identity is in being sick, Mm-hmm. Yeah. The second we stop working together, you're going to feel sick because that is your safe zone now. You haven't overcome knowing that you are safe 
and that is okay to feel a different way. So we always have to kind of evaluate what is our level of comfort and then know that if we want to change, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to kind of turn on our brain in a different way and cause that high uh, sensitive reaction. But then it's not going to last forever, right? Exactly. So let's go back even to what we talked about in previous episodes in the neuroplasticity, yeah. right? We can change our brain. And I mean, my husband's work is evidence that you can do it very quickly, right? A patient comes to see them, they work with them for seven days and they leave with a completely different brain. So these things can happen quickly. It's just that we need to focus on them. So we need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. We need to tell our body that we're safe even though it feels uncomfortable. So the perfect example of this I tell people is you are getting ready in the morning and you walk out your front door and there's a big bear standing in front of you. Instant survival mode, instant fear, instant threat, right? You're at that point, you don't want to be thinking about anything else except, you know, how to escape that situation. You're perceiving it as a high threat level. But you take that same situation now where you're walking in the zoo and you see a bear standing in front of you and you don't have any reaction to it. You know, your heart doesn't start pumping faster. You don't get sweaty. You don't get nervous because you have learned over time that that bear in the zoo is not a threat to you, right? So we perceive it completely differently. Our brain isn't turning on that high alarm survival response. Mm -hmm. The same thing can happen in any habit or behavior if we teach our brain that it's okay that we're feeling a little uncomfortable, that we're still safe, that we don't need to, you know, alter our behavior, or our thoughts, or our actions to feel better. And the second that we can get comfortable with that, then the easier it becomes to change these habits. So that's kind of that neuroplasticity work. That's that rewiring work to train your brain, to teach it that new information. Yeah. And you went so much deeper into that in previous episodes. So anybody mm -hmm. who wants to learn, because what she's referencing is, is literally you can rewire your brain, which is so fascinating. So many people don't even realize that, right? Like they just settle like, oh, this is just, this is how I am. And I'm always going to be broke. I'm always going to be this level of person or um, a procrastinator or a slow learner or bad with technology or whatever. Like we hear the, the excuses all the time. You can actually rewire this in your brain. It does take focus. And this is where like visualization comes in and journaling and all kinds of, you know, whatever your vehicle is to do that. So if anybody wants to go deeper and hear more about that, definitely go check out episodes 22 and 58. I think we went a little deeper into in 58, right? Yeah. Yeah, I highly recommend it, you know, doing both almost in that order, you know, the first one and then the advanced steps, because that's going to, you know, give you proof evidence that this is possible for you. So, okay. I like to think in terms of steps. That's just how I think. Mm -hmm. And because I just know, and I've experienced, I mean, I, I experienced this uncomfortableness 
every day, right? Like I'm trying to be better every day. I'm trying to work out. I'm trying to show up in new ways in my business and push the envelope. And so I'm feeling comfortable, uncomfortable all the time. So I, I like to have a process, like give me a process I can follow so I can more easily identify these things. So it sounds like number one is you have to first get clear on these values. What are your values in your personal life, in your health and wellness, in your business, and in these other areas, right? Like highest version of yourself. How do you show up? And then two, understanding that you probably are going to get uncomfortable because you are changing, you're evolving as a human, right? And then step three would be catch yourself. Or you tell me, like, what would be these steps if somebody was wanting to break the cycle and stop self-sabotage, what steps would you give? I think that you're on point with number one, really identifying what those values are to you, what you want, what that vision of success is. And that's what we use then to build the comfort in the uncomfortable, right? And then, you know, working our way to being able to be aware when we're uncomfortable and knowing that it will pass and not letting it derail what's important to us. The third step is actually going to be consistently checking in on it. So this is something that, you know, recently I kind of was really awoken to was because I was creating a new program uh, based off what I already do and work just tailored to a different demographic. So female entrepreneurs or high level executives And what I was realizing working with them is that they have a really unique set of energy demands, right? To be that high-level functioning, certain need for focus, nutrition, health, mindset, all of it is very unique and specific to kind of that demographic. So here I am, you know, start of the year creating this evaluation sheet for them where they can kind of rate on a scale of one to 10 where they're ranking in certain categories. Mm -hmm. And so I'm working my way through it. And I say, I'm going to do this exercise for a few months before I introduce it with my patients. And one of the questions was, you know, it's ranking things like health and productivity and your energy. And it said, you know, I'm doing everything I can to optimize my energy that I prioritize the food that I eat in a way that I know it's going to give me the most energy so that I continue to show up. I'm prioritizing my sleep over work or, you know, thinking I am drinking the water, doing the supplements, all the things. And I rated it a four. I was like, wait a minute. Like I'm a health professional. Like these are very important things to me. Where is the disconnect here? And I think that my vision of wanting success, right? That ability to serve other people, that ability to provide for my family, give my children the security that they need. I was so aligned with that, that my daily affirmations were things like, you know, I work hard. I complete all the tasks with ease. I am hyper-focused on the vision. And what's happening then is sometimes I'm getting to the office at 7.30 in the morning And I'm not leaving until 5.30 at night and I'm not eating all day. And then I'm getting home 
and I'm tapping back into work and I'm winding myself up so much that I'm not sleeping and I'm sabotaging actually being successful because if I feel awful, I'm not going to be able to do the work, right? I'm not going to actually be able to be a hard worker, be focused. And so it took me kind of going through that process to realize that awareness of self-sabotage is an ongoing thing, right? Because Mm -hmm. we can set the values and the goals and the vision Mm -hmm. and sometimes almost create a new level of self-sabotage because we become too focused on something that is actually dependent on another underlying variable. So that consistent check-in on, you know, I like really like a five-minute morning, five-minute evening journal, physical action where you're actually pen to paper putting down words Mm -hmm. and checking in and saying, you know, in the morning, who do I want to be today? Like, what values do I want to bring? What is the best way that I can show up for people? Things like that. And and in the evening, checking in. So right now I'm so focused on, am I doing everything I can to support my energy? You know, did I eat three times a day? Did I, you know, drink my water? Did I take a break to go outside for 10 minutes? Things that feel uncomfortable to me because I've created in my mind Mm -hmm. that, my success and productivity is me sitting at my desk and taking 10 minutes outside feels like counterproductive, but really it's what's serving me to be the most successful that I can. So do that, you know, consistent check-in and practice. You owe it to yourself to always be checking to see if you're doing the best that you can in these areas and bring, you know, an additional level of awareness to where you possibly could be sabotaging. That's so helpful. Thank you for that. Because I, like I said, I thrive with a list and, and what you said really resonated with me because yeah, like where my brain always goes, I'm just so like business focused. That's where, that's what I think about. That's what I dream about. I'm just, it's what I love. It's how I'm wired. (laughs) And you did it intentionally, right? You wired yourself a boss. Yeah, I did. But to the, it can be to the detriment of other areas of my life. And yeah. And there's been so many times I'm like, wait a second, you know? Yeah. Business is, I mean, it's, it's, it could be better. It's good, but it could be better because these other areas of my life, I'm totally slacking like my health, my relationship. So like finding that balance is, is helpful. And yeah, you just, you know, checking in is the way you do that. Okay. I have a, I have a question for you. Maybe, maybe this will be easy for you to answer. Maybe this is totally left field and you're going to hate me for asking this because I don't even know fully how to articulate this, but okay. Where I get stuck is there's this version of me in the ether that is the boss, has all the things. Great, right? Cool. That's that's what I'm always working toward. This is who I'm growing into. But on my way there sometimes, when, you know, let's say like I've got my morning routine down, I'm eating well, I'm drinking the water, I'm doing all these things, I get freaking bored. Okay. Right. Like I'm, I'm almost like, geez, I don't want to be a robot. Like I want to live an example. And I'm so curious. I want you to give me your honest answer. I know you will. 
but like, I, I don't know. Did you see I was doing 75 hard? Yeah. Okay. <sighs> well, I quit 40 days in, I quit. And, and I'm so curious, is that self-sabotage or was that me like just doing what was best for me and we'll get there. But like, that is an example where to me, like, yeah, if I'm working out at this level and I'm eating clean and I'm not drinking and all these things, like I'm going to be this evolved, awesome human that, that like, I think deep down I want to be, but I started getting there and I didn't like it. And I don't know if maybe I, I stopped before the breakthrough, right? Like maybe I just didn't push it. That was me getting uncomfortable and I, and I, and I panicked and I quit, or was that me reevaluating and be like, this is not what I want. So I'm curious, what would you say about that? So for the, you know, example of 75 hard, you know, if people aren't familiar with that, it, it's very time demanding. It requires, you know, two workouts a day. I think they're 45 minute workouts, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's a lot of time. You have to do a gallon of water. You have to, you know, maintain a certain diet. There's a lot of energy and attention that goes into doing that. Mm-hmm. And so what potentially could have happened, like you said, is that, you know, you did this and you realized that it was actually you were doing it to become better and maybe it was taking away from other things for you. Yeah. That's completely possible because that is such a high demand of your energy, of your attention. Mm-hmm. It's also possible when, you know, for other examples, like you said, you just get bored sometimes as you're working your way up. Mm-hmm. So when that happens, I try to explain to people that, you know, Yes, survival is our number one thing that our brain is going to prioritize, but immediately after that is pleasure. And so when we do something that feels good to us, we get a hit of dopamine. And so people say, you know, dopamine is like the happy neurotransmitter and and that's true, but really what it's meant to be is kind of a reward, right? So the brain dumps dopamine and it's a reward for you to know like, keep going. I like this. This feels good to me. And so it gives us kind of that hit of motivation Mm -hmm. when we can, you know, become a little routine in things. We can sometimes lose focus on the motivation portion. And the second we start, stop getting those hits of dopamine or that like pleasure satisfaction from doing something, we lose interest in it. And so it's kind of, Thinking about if something is really important to you, uh, you know, maybe 75 hard wasn't it, but maybe, you know, a different example, it might be something that you're just the morning routine, right? That is actually important to always have it, Mm -hmm. but it might start feeling a little too routine and kind of like, you know, oh, I have to do this. Mm -hmm. And that means that we've actually lost the motivation factor. So hyping it up again, you know, saying like maybe thinking about all the good things that that has led to or all the new habits that have built from that morning routine or how much far you've come in your business by implementing that morning routine, right? Rehyping it so that when you do it again, the next day, all of a sudden you've got that hit of dopamine again, because your brain is rewarding you for something that you are motivated for. If you're not motivated for it, the brain's not going to give you a hit of dopamine because it's going to think it's not important to you. You don't care. 
Right. And it's so easy. It's, I mean, a morning routine is such a great example of that because a morning routine requires you to get your butt out of bed, which is super uncomfortable most times mm-hmm. and, and to read and to journal and to do all these things where first thing in the morning, that's hard. So yep. yeah, I, I think that's, that's definitely a good example for me where I catch myself and I, I let myself sabotage. And I'm like, well, this is boring. I I don't like, I'm not the person who likes routine. I like to switch it up. I need more sleep, yada, yada, yada. And you're saying it's likely because I've lost that motivation. I've forgotten like, why am I doing this all in the first place? Yeah. If you're already comfortable with it, so it's not no longer a sense of, you know, it feels not good to you. Um, then likely the reason is because you've lost the motivation aspect for it. And so you need to kind of realign with why you're doing certain things and the importance of it and how it serves you and how it serves the goals and your mission and your values. Mm -hmm. And that will then start giving you those rewards again so that you go to bed like stoked, right? So my goal every night is to be in bed like so excited about tomorrow morning. Like I want to be like, okay, I know my alarm is going to go off at this time. My feet are going to hit the floor. These are the things I'm going to do. It's going to be so good for me. And that thinking then is what motivates me in the morning. Because honestly, like I don't want to wake up when my alarm goes off. I want to stay in bed, right? I want to tell myself that I need more sleep. Mm -hmm. I want to tell myself that like, oh, this is, you know, it's more important for me to stay in bed than to read this morning or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so you can talk yourself out of it really quickly if it doesn't feel rewarding to you anymore. That's so helpful. And I know you've shared this before, but I just want to end with this because I know, I know I'm wondering again, and so many people are probably wondering the same. What is your routine now? Like if you want to just give like a quick, if you, if you feel like it, um, given like a high level rundown, cause you are so, you're, you're so, um, what am I trying to say? Effective in your job and, and productive is what I was looking for. It, it seems like at least from social media that you're just, you're doing all the things. So what do you, or what are you loving right now to keep you running at that super high level and efficiency? Thank you. Yeah. Routine is really important to mm-hmm. productivity mm-hmm. and, uh, I've come to really recognize that. So my morning routine is pretty sacred. I am getting up. I it's either between some blocks of time I'm at 5.30 and other blocks of time I'm at six, depending on how I feel my health is or how much sleep I need. Mm-hmm. When I get up in the morning, it is not hitting the snooze button. It is alarm goes off, feet are on the floor. The mm-hmm. second you hit the snooze button, you just told your brain that you don't do what you tell yourself you're going to do. You lose mm-hmm. trust in that process, right? Mm-hmm. So I get up and my quiet time is in the morning then before anybody's up. So that is going to be my kind of journaling. So I'm hard pusher for daily gratitude, daily affirmations. And recently I've implemented that kind of daily check-in on, you know, how do I want to show up today? What are, you know, the way I want to present myself today? How do I want to be? And sometimes I'll even ask like, who needs me to be that way? Right. So who's dependent on me showing up like that today? 
my day is pretty regimented through work. I try and streamline everything, knowing my schedule ahead of time. I think that success is always built the night before, you know, knowing what your schedule is, accounting for those things. So food is prepped. I know, you know, now I'm so focused on making sure I have lunch at the office. So it's never, you know, I'm sabotaging not eating through the day. Mm-hmm. And nighttime routine is just as important. So my kids, I've got two toddlers for those who don't know. Um, my son just turned two and my daughter's three. So nighttime is also very regimented. The same way that we treat children and babies on how to kind of calm down at night is the same level that we really need to kind of shut it down. Mm-hmm. So having that uh, quiet time, you know, dinner tries to be consistent around the same time every night no screens. They, my kids do a bath, right? Then we read books and they go to bed. After I put my children to bed, I need to be done. I need to not be back on the emails. I need to not be trying to be creative or entering and doing any tasks like that. I need it to be now, this is the time that I get to work on the things that are important to me. Mm -hmm. Daytime is task doing. Mm-hmm. morning time and nighttime routine is focusing on making you better. So nighttime routine for me is that quiet time, no screen time after my kids go to bed. I will uh, focus on doing my end of day journal. So that's kind of measuring those same metrics, checking in. Mm-hmm. I will even go as far as to give a number to things sometimes mm-hmm. to say like, you know, how is my energy today on a scale of one to 10? Mm-hmm. What could I have done to make it better? And then I am very big into visualization or meditation as you're going to bed. Mm -hmm. So when I lay in bed at night, I am going to be hyper-focused on what I want to produce. And the reason for that is because as we're falling asleep at night, our brains enter a different brainwave state, you know, that calming meditative state. That is the best time to input information that makes it to your subconscious. So the fastest way to build that wiring, that default programming in your brain is to focus on it when you're going to sleep. So that Mm -hmm. is exactly why if that morning routine is not feeling so good to you anymore, when you're laying in bed at night, like you better be hyping it up to yourself as you're falling asleep Mm -hmm. because your brain then, the second that alarm goes off, is going to recall that information that you've given it. Wow. That's so good. Have you heard of the app called Think Up? No, I haven't. I feel like you would love this. Um, You can actually record your own affirmations in this app and it will play them on a loop. And so instead of like thinking them where you could get off track or, or hearing affirmations, in somebody else's voice, you record them and they're all custom to like what you actually want to create. And I've done them before and I I forget to do it all the time. But would you recommend that as like recording some affirmations or like how you want to feel in the morning and and just kind of like hyping yourself up in a calming way through something like that? Do you think that would be helpful? Yeah. I think that any way we can add repetition in is going to you know, serve us for the greater good there. And so I think that where people get tripped up on this is that there's so many different ways that you can do it and they try and force a way that maybe isn't the best for them. Mm. And so it's really just thinking about what is going to be the best for your life, the way that you work, what feels good to you, right? So for me, 
I love a bath at night before, so that I'm like clean. I put on pajamas. Like it's like a whole routine. I get into bed. I read my book, but other people are like, I don't want to take a bath every night. That sounds miserable to me. So yeah. it's like figuring out what's going to work best for you. I love the idea of recording affirmations, but I might say that to someone else and they're going to be like, ah, I'd rather just like, you know, sit in my yoga studio and meditate great if that's what works the best for you. Don't try and force um, all the different ways of doing it. Just be consistent with one way that works. Beautiful. That's amazing. And y'all, whoever is listening, who is falling asleep, listening to crime shows. Yeah. Stop. Worst. No. Stop. I made a reel as a joke the other day talking about how like, Monday through Friday, it's like all positivity and then weekends I'm like binging crime shows. And I used to do that. I'm a lot better now that I understand the freaking brain, but so many people are like, Oh my God, I do this every weekend. And some people are like, I literally fall asleep listening to crime shows. And I'm like, Oh no, stop. Don't do that. Cause like, like you said, that is when your brain is the most receptive And you're just like soaking in this like gory, awful. So y'all, please, please, please don't do it. Self-sabotage, right? You're training your brain to always be in that fear, high alert state. And so it's, I mean, that is not the way to start working towards your goals. Woof. Okay. Just had to throw that out there. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much. I've taken up so much of your time. I could talk to you all day long as you know, and we will of course find a reason to have you back. Yes, of course. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but for anybody who is hearing this and they just know like, okay, I need more Dr. Kempinski in my life. Where can people find you? What do you have going on right now that we can all be mindful of moving forward? So you can find me on Instagram at the Kempinski clinic And directly in the link in our bio, it goes to book a discovery call for me. So a discovery call is going to be for that person who, you know, knows that they need a little bit of help or guidance with their health or, you know, working through some of these mindset blocks. So I am happy to discuss with you if it's a good fit um, and if there is anything that I can do to help you or if I could refer you to someone else who might help you. Amazing. And, uh, too bad for y'all. Cause at, before you even hear this, I'm going to book my discovery call. <laughs> I'm snagging a spot. I've said that for over a year now and I just keep forgetting. So now that I know that you're working more like on a coaching level and health, I'm snagging up one of those spots, but, um, yeah, y'all go check her out. I'm going to link everything that she just mentioned in, in the show notes so you can easily find it. And of course we're going to tag you in all the things whenever this goes live, but Thank you so much. You are such a light. You are so, you have the most gifted way of taking this complicated, confusing information and just explaining it in a way that's so easy to take in and understand and then, you know, relate to what all of us are actually dealing with in our lives. And I mean, it's such a gift. And I'm so thankful that you agree to come on this podcast and impart your wisdom. Thank you. It's, you know, I'm honored to be able to share. You never know how impactful 
a certain piece of information is going to be to somebody. And so being able to share life-changing information via podcast, you know, who reaches thousands and thousands and thousands of people is actually an honor for me. So thank you. Thank you. And we will, we will see you again in in the next few weeks. It won't be a year this time. We just realized that it's been a year since you've been on here. It doesn't feel like that, but we will have her back. Yeah. I'll start plotting immediately. Immediate. I'm going to book you like right now. So (laughs) thank you. Hey friend. Thank you so much for listening. My goal is to help as many women as possible. And if this episode helped you in any way, you can directly impact my efforts by simply sharing a screenshot of this to your social media or team. Also, if you're looking for additional support, feel free to find me on Instagram at Allie I Reeves and or join the free Six Figure Influencer Facebook group.